0: Welcome to the CBIA BizCast. I'm your host, Allie Wershavski. And today on our podcast, we have CBIA's very own Vice President of Public Policy, Eric Getty. We are right in the thick of the legislative session. I know you probably have the exact amount of days left in your head but uh, we have some bills to discuss here, Eric. One called captive audience, and one that addresses the unemployment trust fund. And we just want a little bit of a better explanation from you as to what they are, and you know why we should either support or fight them. So, welcome to the Bizcast.
1: Thank you so much. And yeah, unfortunately, as of as of today, when we're recording this, 43 days left of the legislative session. <laughs>
0: 43 days. Well, hang in there. The first one I want to talk to you about is SB 163. It's called the captive audience bill. But as we've been hearing from business leaders, it's essentially a gag order on businesses. Can you explain that?
1: Right. The the real concern with this bill is that um, this would allow, if if enacted, uh, it would allow employees uh, to simply get up anytime that they uh, and, and walk out of a meeting anytime they subjectively believe that uh, the employer was talking about political matters. The real problem is, is that political matters is defined so broadly that it could be virtually any conversation at all. It could be about uh, legislation or regulation that's going to directly impact the business. It could even be about civic or community involvement on the part of the business. So. It could touch on virtually any action that the business was trying to discuss, and it just gives a, uh, a, a, a opportunity for uh, folks within the company to, uh, to you know create issues and, and, and not allow um, employers to provide important information.
0: So can you give an example of how something might be um, considered political that might not be at all?
1: Absolutely, and I think we just need to look back at recent history here. You know, just a, a short few months ago, uh, you know, the, the government w- was relying on the business community to provide information about vaccines and the importance of mask policies and you know, vaccine policies that they had. Um, all of this certainly could have been deemed political and many did view it that way. But, and to allow people to simply walk up and leave when trying to explain these important policies um, just undermines everyone's safety, um, and it undermines important, the provision of important information that helps keep the businesses um, in, in, you know, working, moving forward, and provide, continuing to grow and provide jobs.
0: Yeah, it'd be interesting to see if it did make it to HR if this passed, who decides whether or not the discussion was political, right? Who has the right to decide? And there is another Bill 318, which you said is very similar, if not the exact same bill, with a little bit different language.
1: That's correct. Uh, Senate Bill 163 is a Judiciary Committee bill. Uh, Senate Bill 318 is a Labor Committee bill. They have different titles, but otherwise they are the exact same language. So two committees are doing their best to uh, undermine the ability of businesses to have open, honest conversations uh, with their employees.
0: Um, This bill has come up Many times in the legislation uh, in the uh, legislative session, what makes this one this year different? Is it the language?
1: Well, it's it's funny you ask that. Um, and, and yes, this bill has been around for for many years. In fact, back in 2011, it was debated on the House floor for uh, you know more than 10 hours, and then Attorney General uh, George Jepson at the time came out and he issued in an informal opinion saying. He believed that this is preempted by federal law, specifically the National Labor Relations Act, which governs um, the discussion of you know, working conditions in the workplace. Um, so then it did come back uh, in 2018, I believe it was, and uh, again Attorney Je- General Jepson uh, issued a formal opinion on the matter, and that again put the issue to red, or to bed. Um, just a, you know, a short time later, uh, you know, the Attorney General retired, uh, Attorney General Tong came in, and he felt a, a little bit differently. He said he, he wasn't certain that it wasn't preempted, but he believed that, uh, that, that he would defend the law if enacted. Now, the problem is, it is still the exact same language that it was in the past. It, it sort of reminds me uh, of, you know, w- uh, the kindergarten test where you have to put pictures in order to tell a story. The only difference between the bill uh, back with Attorney General Jepsen and Attorney General Tong is that some of the passages were just moved around within a paragraph. But again, if you, we have an article on cbia.com in, um, It demonstrates the fact that the language is is exactly the same word for word, period for period.
0: Now, you know, we've heard, obviously, this could just be complicated in the office with what is political, what's not. Um, Why would people want to support this? You know, what is the other side's push for this to become law or why, I should say?
1: Well, this is really something that has been pushed for a long time by organized labor. And it's an effort to, um, in their words, stop um, anti organizing uh, or efforts or stop organizing efforts within the workplace. Um, the problem is uh, that is very clearly preempted by law. So they've added all these other things in in order to help uh, you know evade uh, some of the scrutiny ar- around it. Um, so that's really what's behind it. But, you know, they, they're, they're talking about this as if employers are, you know, locking employees into rooms and harassing them with their viewpoints and exposing them to, you know, very politically charged speech, which is simply not the case. And, and also that is already prevented from happening or, or excuse me, illegal um, you cannot engage in that type of harassing and intimidation in the workplace without running afoul of the law. So, this is attempting, or in their words, to cure something that is already prevented.
0: So, if this bill is passed, how could it negatively affect Connecticut businesses and the economy?
1: I, I think the biggest problem here is that this is going to uh, really uh, inhibit the ability of businesses to have honest open conversations with employees about very important matters. Um, you know, there always is going to be the fear that somebody will uh, walk out of a meeting and then, you know, any corrective action or, or any efforts to uh, to circle back to that employee, is just going to give standing for a civil action. And obviously that's not something that any business wants to deal with. It's going to um, continue to uh, impede morale, that type of thing. So, um, you know, again, in, in, The other, what are we doing here trying to silence the business community with, you know, not putting any sort of restrictions on uh, labor or, or any other groups, we're just attempting to silence one group of, of, of of interests And you know, again, that's, I think that's just something that's going to uh, further prevent more businesses from coming to Connecticut. I mean, why would you come here and want to invest here and grow your business here if you have to worry about whether you can even speak to your employees here?
0: or face the potential lawsuit right? if, if you right. do. So let's switch gears now and talk about HB 5003, an act concerning the Unemployment Trust Fund. The unemployment fund debt is one of the number of challenges facing employers right now. What would this uh, particular bill do?
1: Yeah, th- this is a great bill. Um, this was um, put forward by uh, House Republican leadership, uh, sp- you know, specifically uh, Representative Vincent Candelora. Um, And, you know, it was also supported by the chairs of the Appropriations Committee, Senator Austin and Representative Walker. It's a great bipartisan effort that builds upon um, some great success we had last year. You know, last year, we flagged the fact that, you know, employers were going to be dealing with a massive amount of unemployment debt related to the pandemic. Obviously, we have 1.2 million claims for unemployment. We had to borrow north of eight hundred million dollars from the federal government to make sure all of those claims were paid. And while the state takes out the loan, it's the business community and the business community alone that has to pay back this uh, this significant debt. And the problem is, you know, it, the business community didn't cause all of this unemployment. You know, sixty percent it, of the unemployment claims were related to were, were related to government shutdowns of businesses. So we thought that this extraordinary circumstances uh, required a little bit of help. And we were not alone. Um, 33 states used some federal uh, stimulus funds to help the business community repay a portion of their unemployment trust fund debt. So a lot of states were doing this. Connecticut happened to be one of them. And we were very happy that $155 million were used of ARPA funds to uh, address this debt.
0: Is there a specific number yet, or just the fight for some of the money to be used towards it?
1: The bill does not have a number at this point in time, and I think there'll be a lot of negotiations around that. But honestly, uh, you know, we need a lot of help related to this. You know, last year we engaged in negotiations with organized labor to ensure that the fund would um, probably never have solvency issues again in the future, but there's still this short term debt. That remains, and it's a, it's a pretty massive debt. So we definitely are going to be looking for the legislature to provide some substantial help uh, related to this. And in the meantime, until that debt is satisfied, the business community is going to be seeing higher and higher unemployment taxes uh, every single fall for them until that again until that debt is is satisfied.
0: You know, there have been a number of articles lately about um, how fiscally strong the state's rainy day fund is. Is that a reason to do it now?
1: Well, I think we need to address this debt. I mean, we know for sure that last time around in the 2008-2009 recession, you know, that we were in very similar circumstances, had to borrow nearly a billion dollars from the federal government. And the business community took six years to repay that unemployment debt. And it was a complete drag on our economic recovery. We have a great opportunity now. We have short-term surpluses. If we make the right investments and if we eliminate some of these things that we know are going to drag our economic recovery down and and, and again, provide some additional tax relief, um, remove some of these issues, we are set to have, a a, you know, if we invest in growth in in opportunities like that, we we have a real opportunity in this state to make sure that we uh, are attracting more businesses here, creating high paying jobs, we need that investment now. So, it is a critical opportunity. The governor mentioned that in his opening day speech at the legislature. We have a once in a generation opportunity here. That is this legislative session. And we really need the lawmakers to do the right thing.
0: Well, Eric, thanks so much for joining us for this special legislative session. Edition of the BizCast is very informative. And maybe we'll be talking to you again within the next uh, 40 or so days you have left.
1: I hope so, Allie. Thank you so much for, for having me on today.
0: And thank you for listening to this week's BizCast. You can listen on Apple, YouTube, SoundCloud. And for more episodes, head over to cbia.com.